Welcome to Disruptive Successor, a show for next generation leaders in family businesses and entrepreneurs who want to disrupt the status quo and take their existing business to a whole new level. We all know that what got us here isn't going to get us there. This show will provide inspiration, advice, and resources to help you create massive impact. This podcast is sponsored by myself, Jonathan Goldhill, and my company, The Goldhill Group, where we provide coaching for growing companies. I'm Jonathan Goldhill, and my purpose is simple to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment. I want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at the goldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Hi, it's Jonathan Goldhill, and welcome back to another episode of the Disruptive Successor Show. Today, we're going to be talking about family offices. What is a family office? Are you ready to install one in your business or in your life? And is it something only the rich have, or is it something that you can have? My guest today is Nolan Bradbury. He has a passion for helping business owners achieve their dreams through sound accounting and financial strategies. Over the past two decades, he has honed his expertise in both the public and private sectors, gaining valuable insights into the intricacies of financial management. Today, he has come full circle, combining that experience with a genuine desire to make a positive impact on others' lives by helping them scale their businesses to the ideal size and helping them maximize their company's value when they're ready to exit. Nolan, welcome to the show today. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here. Great. Where are we reaching you? What part of the world? Uh, I am in the Pacific Northwest, so just outside of Seattle, Washington. Perfect. And I am, I guess we'd be in the Pacific Southwest <laughs> in Los Angeles today. So, well, I'm really excited to have you on the show. And before we start talking about family offices, tell us a little bit about your backstory. You know, who yeah. are you? How did you get to doing what you're doing? Maybe what's your why? Something like that. Yeah, perfect. So uh, happy to be here. Excited to talk to you about this. Thanks for having me. Uh, so my background is really, obviously, it's in accounting. That's that's what my degree and most of my uh, professional career is based in. But the way I approach all of that is a little bit different. So I view accounting as more my tool. Uh, my purpose is, though, more about helping people sort of reach the goals they want to reach. Uh, and so how I kind of end up here was having worked for both in the public sector for large companies, but more in the private sector for small businesses, uh, closely held run businesses, that there was this objective that they most business owners were trying to achieve, which is something usually beyond the business itself. And where I really started to see the ability to help people was not just helping them understand how their business can burn better, but how that then can translate into helping their their family be a bit more efficient and sort of drive what I think a lot of people strive for, which is a legacy that extends beyond just their business or the wealth that they've created and how they can really make that more multi-generational and in 
in practice. And so uh, I sort of view it more of a standpoint of like, how can I help them sort of not just in the business sector, but also then use those same skills and mindset and, and tools to do the same thing in terms of growing and, and maximizing sort of their personal goals as well. Yeah, I can totally relate to that. A lot of my successful entrepreneurs and myself included, we have a business mm -hmm. um, and then we think about getting into real estate. Maybe we have a primary home. We yep. haven't followed the Robert Kiyosaki model of have enough rental income property to be able to afford a home. We, you know, but yep. whatever we, we buy a home. Then we think oh, I have enough money. I'm going to buy a second home, going to make it rental income. Or I move out of that first home, keep uh, buy a second home, keep make the second home, my primary home, keep the first home as a rental income property. Yep. And then we start thinking about other ways of diversifying. I mean, I've been in the markets, the equity markets, stocks, bonds, mm -hmm. things like that for many decades. Most of my clients are a little slower to that. But the other thing I've been involved in is philanthropy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have a donor advised fund, which is mm -hmm. a, you know, it's not a large fund, but it's a, it's a set amount of money that was already set aside. And I use that for making my charitable donations. And I think that one of the things that I do with my clients is teach them through my own behavior, mm -hmm. the importance of stewardship. And so yes. at the end of every year, I donate 5% of my coaching fees from mm -hmm. them to an organization of their choosing in their name on their behalf. And Very I think cool. that is akin to, I mean, some of what I'm talking about almost sounds like I have my own private family office, you know? Yeah, it does. So, and so I want to just point out that you too can have that same thing. You might not be thinking charitable at this point if you're uh, a millennial and you're trying to build your net worth. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at some point, you will be starting to think about that legacy stuff. So exactly thoughts on what I just shared. Yeah, I think, you know, you hit on a, a lot of key things there that sort of are central to the idea of a family office and how it can be helpful. So, you know, I think pulling back just a sec, I think for most people, what they think of when they think family office, I think like, like nine figure wealth, like really the uber wealthy in that. And the reality is, though, even though the technical definition of, say, a family office is something that's, <clears throat> excuse me, like an organization that's focused on like sort of satisfying the needs of wealthy individuals or families through, you know, estate, tax, accounting, things of that nature. The reality is that there's what I'll call sort of a, a light, L-I-T-E version of family offices that when you apply that to most people or a, a, a larger population, it can be very beneficial, right? And so what you described is key in that there are different types of family offices or there's different things that family offices will tend to focus on. And so part of it is helping understand what is you as the the family and in, in quote sort of the individual in this scenario what is it you're trying to accomplish what is the legacy you're looking to leave right so as you described a philanthropic philanthropic approach so maybe that's an aspect of it for some people it's multi-generational education around wealth and making sure that the the family that maybe didn't earn the bulk of the the first generational wealth is still educated on being good stewards of that wealth beyond them right so they leave and so forth so it, it's a it's a really important thing i think that you've identified in that there's many purposes that a family office can have and it can evolve over time and what you just described is in large uh, large point, the, the foundation of where family offices usually start. Right. And so 
I guess, what is the mindset that someone needs to have to think in terms of a family office? I mean, my mindset was partly bred by the fact that there was an exit in my family from a business and there was some multi-generational wealth that was was passed along and so that enabled me to have what i called have many have called for many years an enlightened self-interest yeah and i i mean i don't know how to teach that enlightened self-interest to others Mm. but people who have been successful and already come to a place where they feel like they have enough mm-hmm. or they have it all. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that they don't want more. Right. It means that more could be also contributing to causes, interests, people, loved ones, um, you know, organizations yeah. that help them even like fill out their spiritual side of their like wheel of life, if you will. hundred percent. So I think there's a couple of pieces and, where people fit in on this is is less important because it can apply at each or either of these stages, right? So what I kind of what I hear and what you kind of described is this idea that there's a point that we hope we reach or we do reach if we're lucky, where it's no longer about security. It's more about what you're what is beyond now that you have the security, right? So that you've reached this point where uh, you're not necessarily concerned about, am I going to have enough? It's well, what am I going to do with the money that I have? It, it is is getting more actually getting me closer to what I want to do beyond just sort of the, the money accumulation phase of this. And so when you start to think about that, again, whether you're there or wanting to get there, uh, it, it kind of comes down to what is the what is the thing that you're trying to create, if you will, right? And so that comes back to there are multiple types of family offices. So there are family offices that focus on the philanthropic side, like you we, we, like we discussed. There are family offices that focus on the investment side, meaning their sole sort of focus or primary focus is around uh, maintaining the wealth or further really growing that wealth, right? Then there's other ones that are more around sort of administrative and compliance, sort of making sure that the the organization is uh, is mitigating its risks and being proactive in terms of control and, and so forth. There's And then there's things that are around the founder. So uh, sort of a early stage, like the person who is sort of generating the family office, maybe they they got they, there was an exit event, or they gen- grew a business or some form of that. And they're and the family office is about creating the right structure for all of that now that that exists, right. And then there's things that are looking at it more multi generational, like we talked about. And so early on, or, you know, the where it starts with for family offices is really about what is the goal you're trying to solve for? What is the what is the problem you're trying to make sure doesn't happen or, or you know, is avoided? And, and that's where these things can be very helpful is that the mindset around what is it you're trying to do now, uh, or, or get to it down the road, because there's the old saying, right, from Peter Drucker, what gets measured gets managed. And this is a kind of what we're talking about in that if, you, if you've ever run a business or worked in business, it's all about managing that business, right? How do you optimize the business? But we don't often apply that same mindset to our personal lives. Uh, we tend to be a bit more carefree with it. We don't have budgets as individuals all the time. Some people do. Most people don't. Uh, we tend to take a more laissez-faire approach. And yet, ironically enough, it's the most personal thing we have. It's it's our own wealth. And yet, we aren't as uh, disciplined often around that side of our, our wheel, if you will. Yeah, it's interesting. So 
there can be many facets to a family office, right? So just mm-hmm. to kind of recap some of what you just said. So yeah. there could be a family office that occurred from an exit from the sale of their business. Mm-hmm. It could be a small exit. It could yep. be as, I mean, I mean, it could be 5 million. It could be 20 million. It could mm-hmm. be a hundred million. It could be a yep. billion, right? And then that family office could be just interested in investing in other businesses. My my experience teaches me that most people would probably keep the real estate as an asset and Mm -hmm. sell the business as an operating entity. And then they would diversify into other real estate assets. It seems like there's a lot less to manage in a real estate business Mm -hmm. than there is in a business business that, you know, has a a lot of people and more, uh, maybe some more market risk. Yeah. I say that, of course, having, you know, post-COVID, the COVID-19 <laughs> yeah. impact on the office market was devastating. But yeah. so they might diversify. They take some chips off the table. But at this point, they're just investing in real estate or and or they're investing in other businesses. Yep. Now, it might be such that the amount of money seems large enough that they take a twist and turn and they focus more on philanthropic activities and they're really thinking about their legacy their money being put towards uh whatever it is ending hunger or homelessness or you know Mm -hmm. whatever the cause is for them yep and then the one that's kind of intriguing is where they're trying to pass the wealth on multi-generationally yeah and it seems to be more of the former than the latter where they're teaching the heirs to invest in businesses, invest in real estate, and yep. they bring them into that. You know, did I did I capture that? Yeah. And I and the last point I think is a really important one. And it's I'll say a I'll call it like the uh, uh an intangible value of family office, which is for a lot of people, uh, they see it as an opportunity to actually as a family come together because it's it's creating a bit more formality around a lot of these things. So the educational component is one of the things that a lot of people find a great appeal in sort of taking this approach because I think as if you as the as the sort of first generation or second generation, you've done your work and you've grown this, you've worked very hard. There is this sort of deep-rooted fear, whether recognized or talked about or not, that your kids or your grandkids are not fully going to appreciate or have the the respect for all that came before them. There's this, this is fear, right? That like, sure. Oh, they're, yeah. they're going to be trust fund babies, you know, yep. to use a phrase that's thrown around. Right. And, and there isn't anything wrong with having a trust fund. It's, I think it's the idea that people have that they're not going to appreciate all that was necessary for that to come about. And so one of the real purposes of a family office that tends to exist is that education that that can occur between generations and that helping bring them into the family office and the business or the investments as a family and that they understand what their role is, their responsibility, and both within the family and the greater aspect in terms of things like philanthropic giving. Um, But it it helps create a more um, 
open environment to discuss things, which for a lot of people are a bit more taboo. We we tend to not talk about finances, particularly personal finances. Uh, this is a long, deep-rooted challenge within uh, our society, which is people don't often get a good education around finance. And it starts because there isn't ta- oftentimes a lot of discussion there between them and their parents, either because they themselves were not educated or they just sort of feel uncomfortable talking about it. And so... Uh, that is one of the huge benefits that I've seen in working with people that they they don't often always think about, but really appreciate as they get into it. So let, let's take this concept, which sounds yeah. almost a little abstract and, and maybe bring some practical uh, application to it. I think that yeah. would be helpful. So yeah. when I was at a family business conference up in Sacramento a few months back mm-hmm. speaking, um, there was a lot of education going on at this conference, obviously. Yeah. And one of the families talked about a camp that they run. Mm-hmm. So they're maybe a third or fourth, a fourth or fifth generation, third, fourth, fifth. I'm not sure. Anyway, and they get together at a family adult camp. Mm-hmm. And this is a chance for them to be together for a week of bonding, uh, talking about uh things related mm-hmm. to their wealth, their family, yeah. their values. And I, I thought this is great. Yeah. Um, and I was wondering, do they use an outside facilitator for this? How do they structure the week? Like, yeah. um, is it, you know, camp style, but just multi-age, you know, what yeah. kinds of things have you seen or would you suggest that people start thinking about that? First off, I, yeah. I love that. That's great that there's people doing that because that is that creates the right kind of environment that we're talking about. So I think it's important, regardless of where you're at, whether that's what's right for you or something else that we'll kind of talk about. It is less about the what and more about that you actually act. Right. So if you think about exercising, it doesn't matter if you go run 10 miles or go walk around the block. It's what's best for you in that moment. So just getting up and doing something is often better than not doing anything at all. And that's sort of where I'll I'll start from this. So I think Early on, what's important to understand is that um, the goal, you should have an idea of where you're trying to get to with your family office. So whether it's like multi-generational going to this camp and having all these activities, that's wonderful. Um, I've also seen things where it's as simple as twice a year, there's a sort of quote unquote board of director meeting where the attorneys are present, the estate planners are present, the wealth advisors are present, the accountants, the CPAs are all there. And there's essentially a board of director meeting with the family and all family members are present and there's an agenda and they go through, okay, where are we at? What is our, you know, they go back to their family mission statement, if you will. That's one of the things we oftentimes help people create is what is it that you're your family is looking to accomplish and they review the decisions that have been made and they, they teach it, they, they approach it in a very sort of business-like manner. And, and the value that you can probably gather from that, right. Is that it creates a lot of, it creates an environment where everyone's kind of rowing together and they're looking at things cohesively. And so that's a bit more of a formal piece, but it, it, it works in the same way. There are other scenarios where it's a little less formal uh, and, and uh, you have sort of someone working as quarterback to sort of make sure all of these people are working in tandem together. I've seen uh, I've seen retreats like you described, and those are wonderful things because oftentimes, depending upon the structure you set up, you might be able to use those those expenses as deductibles, uh, meaning that like you can actually use that to like to your benefit and, and have additional savings layered on to all of this. Right? Uh, again, depending upon how formal of a structure you've really created. Um, 
you know, but it's oftentimes a, an opportunity for people to have retreats, if you will, you know, similar to like a way a business would have a, a business retreat to do planning and strategy. Same thing. It can be done from a family office standpoint. Um, it really is more about what is in line with what that family is trying to accomplish and how are they going to go about it? And so where they fall on the scale of big grand retreats versus sitting around the kitchen table and having a discussion that piece is less critical, but more about that the discussion is actually happening and having or happening, excuse me, and that the right people are sitting at that t- that table either metaphorically or, or physically. I think that there's a lot of resistance to getting started in this area. Yes, and yeah. there are probably some common factors that prevent business owners, family members from getting started around having 100%. This conversation. What 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 words of advice or thoughts or ideas like yeah. that would help stimulate them without making them feel overwhelmed? Um, yeah. So you're hundred percent right. Getting started is almost always the hardest thing when you're doing something new, right? It's, it's the getting into motion. Once in motion, staying in motion is a lot easier. There's some science around that. Of course. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, but one thing I will say, and I, I, I talk with, more business clients about this on like the true accounting side of things, but we have to understand what our aversions are to starting in the first place. So for in the family office realm, they're usually like one of two primary drivers. One is just not knowing where to start, not knowing who the right professionals are and like, how do I even get going? That's one piece. The the second piece tends to be that they are somewhat I'll say ashamed or afraid of what they're going to find out as they start to create more certainty around this area of their life, right? It's kind of like some people avoid going to the doctor because they're worried about getting bad news. I, I completely understand that, right? But good analogy. It, but unfortunately, if you don't find out you have high blood pressure, you can't do anything to remedy it. And the same thing is true for family offices and, and anything, right? Which is avoiding the potential a scenario that a problem could you be made aware of the problem doesn't actually help you get closer to mitigating it. Right. And so the one thing I would say to start there is don't think about this as like, oh, I have to go from zero to having a f- annual retreat where everyone comes and shows up. Right. I think about thinking of it as starting small and we help people through this process. So maybe the first step is just getting your documents in order. This is oftentimes a very, uh, it can be overwhelming for people, but also very empowering, which is, I use this scenario all the time. I have friends, I have clients, they get various statements from investments or, or, or accounts they have. And they either just immediately shred those statements or they open them and then they shred those statements, but they normally don't do anything with them. But the reality is there's a lot of power in that information. Like, are you looking at what your investments are doing? Do you understand the notices that are coming? And I'm not saying you have to read every single prospectus that you get for every single thing, but there's a value in having that information and having a system to digitizing it or or holding it, whether you want to make an investment and that information is going to be asked for you. So a good scenario is maybe you're early in your life and you're, you're, you're working on buying your first house, or maybe it's a second house, whatever the case may be. What are they going to ask you? Well, they're going to ask you for all of your supporting documents so that you can get that loan to buy that house. Well, why don't you have like a one good, one good starting place is having a good document repository for all this information to make that process so much easier for yourself. Right. right? Exactly. Uh, don't let, don't let the reason you don't get the home that you want be because you haven't done the work up front to sort of get everything in place. Um, there's a formula I use. I use it with my kids and swear it started from, but I use it with clients as well, which is uh, success equals opportunity plus preparedness. 
Okay, we can't always control when the opportunity is going to come along, right? And that is a part of success. You do have to have the opportunity, but you can control being prepared. So part of having a family office is being prepared for the opportunities you want to have so that when they do come along, you're able to act in a much more efficient manner. And a lot of that comes from taking a step back and having an actual whole whole family view of what are my investments? How are they working in tandem? Do I have gaps? How do I work on filling those gaps and so forth? So all of that is such a key component to, to all of this. So people like you yeah. and provide that high functioning uh, uh, role for others. Um, I have encountered people, yeah. clients who don't look at their personal financial statements, don't look at their business financial statements. Yeah. If I ask, they probably haven't updated or completed uh, their will, their trust, their estate plan. Yep. They don't necessarily review or don't have life insurance or long-term care insurance. They aren't particularly, they may be philanthropic, but it's not through any kind of organized mm-hmm. uh, program. Yep. Uh and it doesn't mean that they're not successful. They could be right. wildly successful. Yep. But they have blinders to some of this. Yeah. And I, I think that some of it, um, I mean, some of it is clear. There's a don't want to look at your own mortality yep. and don't want to think about your legacy, or you do want to think about your legacy, but you don't want to think about it as like post death. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of burden on those people to think there is. about moving forward in this direction, about even taking the first step forward. The cognitive burden of that is very, very big, right? It, it's it, And it's easy to sort of always go, I'll do that tomorrow. Or you kind of move it to the bottom of your your mental to-do list, right? It's, right. Yeah. Because it's it's the value or the risk that you may perceive around it isn't immediate to you, right? So there's other things that tend to take priority. <laughs> I think it's interesting you brought up the idea of, that sort of like that fear, fear is maybe not the right word, but that maybe a reluctancy to discuss or think about the the mortality, the 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 fine, the finality of our our own existence. I will say that on some level, the people I've worked with around this and sort of helping them get a family office in place, I think it actually empowers them and makes it less scary. And the reason I say that is because one of the core fundamentals of a family office is something called patient capital. And that's mm-hmm. the idea that like the it is not a short-term objective you're trying to accomplish from, from your investment, right? The ultimate goal is a much longer runway. And so to some extent, your, your legacy is no longer about when you're going to pass away. It, it actually becomes somewhat infinite. And that the idea behind the family office is that some part of what you've done in your life will live on ideally forever, you know, well beyond who you will ever meet in your genealogical family tree, if you will. And I think for some people that gives them a bit more joy and happiness to be thinking that like, when I'm done, I'm not actually done. Like my legacy can live beyond just my time on this planet. And that, you know, that I will have instilled both tangible wealth, hopefully, but also intangible wealth through education and, uh, and, and uh, responsibility to not just my, my children, but my children's children and so forth and so on. And, and I think that that can actually be a very empowering thing for people. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a question that I don't think yeah. you probably know the answer to, but okay. I, anecdotally, I know <laughs> okay. 
you can stab yeah. at it. So you know how like people like to compare themselves to others. Like, where do I stand yeah. in terms of you know is this normative yeah. behavior of mine or not? Yeah. And so I'm wondering a little bit if we have any data uh, around family offices. Um, what percent of family offices are maybe created as a result of a business exit? Mm. Um, anecdotally, like, do you have to have a business exit to have a family office? Mm-hmm. Um, some other thoughts are maybe just if you have any data on the average size of a family office or what a family office light could yeah. be in terms of assets. So any kind of data points for those sure. What would that be? The right brain thinking type people or maybe it's left brain thinking. They want to know, like, they want to know, like, should I be thinking about this? I have have a five million dollar net worth. Should I be thinking about this or is that ridiculous? So. So it's a great question. So a couple things in there that I'm going to try to sort of attack independently and then tie together. So I think to start with, where does where does this make sense? What is the dollar amount that I should be thinking about this? Right. So admittedly. Uh, the original idea of a family office, like I said, was a very high threshold. We're talking 50 million, 100 million and above, right? That was really where the the historical idea behind this was. Right. I will say that my passion is really trying to drive that number as low as possible because I think that there's value at a much lower wealth endpoint. I think you could be, you could have wealth of one to 2 million, quite honestly. And I think there's value associated in this. It may not be as grand and as large as the people who have a 50 million or hundred million dollar, but that does not mean that you or your family will not benefit from taking this approach. Right. And I think that's the key to understand is it's kind of like dress for the job you want, not for the one you have. So do you want to be, do you want to have the opportunity to grow your assets? Even if it's just doubling them from two to 4 million, I think most people would say yes. Well, one way to do that is actually behave in a way that's going to drive that change. Right. Uh, so I think that's a very important thing to understand is like, I don't think you have to have, in my opinion, you don't have to have 5 million, 10 million, 20 million to do this. I also don't believe you have to have a business exit to make this happen. I think it's about what is it that you're trying to accomplish? If you want to have a legacy that extends beyond just you, then a family office can work for you. Again, it may be on a much more modified size. But that doesn't mean that there isn't, again, value in taking the right approach to it. Um, I think of, you know, we we kind of progress from our early young years and everything is doing it yourself, right? We we DIY our taxes, we DIY our, our management of our wealth, right? We're, we're doing our own investments through E-Trade or whomever it is, right? I'm dating myself probably with E-Trade. Right, but, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, and then you kind of get to a point where, you know, maybe in your 30s or 40s, you're like, you start to hire professionals because you see the value in having this done, right? But there's a disaggregated sense in that point where each person, each of those tasks is sort of being independently run and managed. They're not working in unison together. And that's then where the final, I think, opportunity exists where a family office, which is you're having people quarterback all of your people, meaning that you're making sure the right play is called in the huddle, that the receivers are running the right routes, the blocking scheme is in place, that everything is working the way it needs to happen. And I think for most people, that is where the next iteration comes from. And it doesn't matter how much wealth you have. It's about making sure that those right approaches are being taken. And it just may be at the scale to which you're doing it is going to vary. Great. Well, this has been a lot of fun talking with you about family office. Yeah. It's really uh, um, interesting. I think it's eye-opening. I hope it influences some people to think differently about their wealth. Yeah. Um, 
answer a few key questions, which are, which is, uh, so how do people get a hold of you if they would like to talk more about this with you and, and yeah. what, like what might be some good questions that they would start with to come to you with? Yeah. So, uh, I'm an accountant, so not overly creative in this realm. So we have a very simple email. It's just contact us at bradfieldco.com and you can just send me, send us an email. Um, and we'll respond with a real human to reach out to you and, and, and talk to you and figure out what's right. What I would say is like where to start and like if it's right for you. If what we've talked about today is of interest, meaning that there's something that you heard in that idea of a family office that you like, then I would say you should reach out and have a discussion around what that might look like for you. There is no harm in getting more information. I'm not going to add you to a spam list and send you a hundred emails or anything like that. I'm a real person who's just trying to help other real people achieve their goals. And so um, as simple as that sounds, I think there's a lot of power in simplicity, if I'm being honest. And I think mm -hmm. that if we remove a lot of the hoops that people have to jump through to make change, then people are more likely to actually make the change. So reach out. If there's something you heard, I'm happy to talk to you. We can set up a brief call. I can understand what you're doing. And then I can make a recommendation for you as to whether or not this might be something worth doing and, and what it would look like to help you sort of get down that path. Nolan, thanks for being on the show today. And thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Folks, you know the drill. Like if you like this show, uh, please share it with others. Please give us a great rating, five star preferably on your podcast listening application of choice and stay tuned for future episodes of the disruptive successor show this podcast is sponsored by myself jonathan goldhill and my company the goldhill group where we provide coaching for growing companies i'm jonathan goldhill and my purpose is simple to guide entrepreneurial leaders in family businesses towards more freedom and fulfillment i want entrepreneurs to get clarity around the changes that will make them and their businesses more successful so they can experience the same freedom I've enjoyed in my life. Our proven practices challenge business owners to think differently about their business and how they're running it and quite literally become game changers in our clients' companies. Learn more at the goldhillgroup.com website where you can schedule your free strategy session. Thank you for joining us on the Disruptive Successor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, review, and share with a friend who would benefit from the message. If you're interested in picking up a copy of my book, Disruptive Successor, go to DisruptiveSuccessor.com.